As businesses get back to work after the coronavirus shutdowns, we want to talk about what we need to do as a veterinary profession to stay ahead of some of the potential problems pet parents may encounter. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that continues to tackle the one tough topic in veterinary medicine. Becky, help me out here. (laughs) You know, I don't want to. I call it the virus that shall not be named. And yet here we are, but we've compromised today. And we're talking about the effects that are going to be residual as the world opens back up and our pets have to readjust to the life that they had, maybe specifically all of these new adoptions. But before we get into all that, I'm one of your co-hosts, registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And I'm Dr. Ernie Ward. And you know, one of the biggest things that has come out of this entire coronavirus pandemic thing, at least in our world, the veterinary profession, is the fact that millions and millions of people have brought dogs and cats and other companion animals into their lives. We see shelters that are emptied. We see fosters and rescues that are looking for dogs and cats to foster. So that's been a good thing. But on the other side of this, as we re-acclimatize to our work schedules, how will this impact the relationships people have with their pets and how will it affect the relationship they have with their veterinary team? So, I mean, Becky, there's a lot of things that potentially could go very, very right for our profession and for millions of pets around the world. But then there are also some challenges. Sure. And I just was talking with you earlier about how we could explore what practices are doing to actually get in front of this while we have a little bit of time. We have a really interesting group of animals, okay, that I'm interested in and I love data and, you know, I love to kind of look and see almost this is a living study where we have a huge amount of pets that came from the shelters right into homes at the end of March, right? Like people were just raging to adopt, get these shelters empty, they're fostering. But it it wasn't a normal adoption process. That's not how it normally goes. Normally we go, we get a new puppy, and then what do we do? We go to all our friends' houses. We go to the cafe where we can sit on the street and show off our new puppy and everyone can pet new puppy. But we got all of these animals and then we immediately locked ourselves down with them. Right. So the socialization process that we would normally encounter when we have a new adoptee or a foster was completely disrupted. And so there are literally millions of new dogs. And we'll kind of focus on dogs as far as that socialization aspect, although cats do need to interact with humans as well, much to their chagrin sometimes. But, you know, these dogs didn't go, as Becky said, to the dog park. They didn't meet other dogs. They didn't meet other people. And so we've really got to help them adjust. So Becky, what are some of the things that you're hearing out there that might help the viewfinders? Well, there's a couple things. And to be fair, just to go back, I mean, this applies to cats in the sense that if you've adopted a cat and you've been locked down with your cat for two months, let me tell you what cats love. Routine. Let me tell you what cats hate change. (laughs) So when a cat is really used to you being home or your dog, and then all of a sudden you're, you're gone all day or you go back to work I really feel like we need to, as a veterinary profession, take the time to help our clients. And as always, I'm begging, can we please get in front of this, help these pets be prepared, and then even also be talking with our clients about behavioral, you know, things that might be going on 
that are going to be a major issue when they're not home all day. Right. And one of the things that we've been doing, both Becky and I, through podcasts and other groups and blogs and videos, is, again, trying to get some simple tips to pet owners out there. So you can check out both of our social media feeds and you can see what we've been doing. But there's also another thing that's starting to percolate to the top, and that is sort of virtual training. Now, dog trainers embraced this wholeheartedly at the beginning of the pandemic. And they went online, en masse, and they started really doing some innovative things. One of the things I would suggest for your clinic now is to say, you know what, can we offer some puppy classes online? Can we do some virtual training online? I know it's not ideal. I know it's not the way it's been done in the past, but there are thousands of dog trainers in particular that are doing this successfully online. So Becky, are you starting to hear from the veterinary technician field? You know, are they starting to explore these types of virtual puppy classes and so forth? I think absolutely. I think it's so number one, I think techs are always looking for a side hustle because right. no one's getting paid enough to pay their bills. So we're always looking to come home and work. Um, and this is a way we can be working from home and making a little extra money. And and this is something I've been doing with Base Paws for over a year in the Coach My Cat program right. where we talk through cat behavioral issues um, and, and it's mostly chat-based. It's not even video-based. But I kind of argue you get a better – you kind of have an advantage because – so if, you know, you're talking with your clients about problems with their behavior with their dog – you're generally talking in the clinic, in the exam room, where the dog's not exhibiting the behavior. Right. They're not comfortable enough to do the behavior most of the time, right? And you're not seeing a genuine uh, replication of it. When you take this virtual reality aspect and you and you go into the homes and you start to do this tele-watching, uh, tele, um, however right. you're doing it, right? You get to see the behavior authentically. You right. get to see the client authentically. You get to see the situation. So my point is just that, like, getting into the homes is, is like, way better, I think. But, again, we've got to be in front of it. We have to say, hey, guys, this is something you might not know is about to happen. Because, again, being proactive is so much better than being re reactive. And, I and, and what I guess I'm trying to avoid here is a wave of surrenders at the shelters. Right, exactly. And then a wave of I need some kind of drug for my pet to get them through because – life is falling apart now because it's so much change. Um, and and that's not fair to the, the owners or the pets, right, if we don't set them up for success. So I think there's no better way to evaluate behaviors than to see it in the setting that it's right. occurring. So again, I've, I can't tell you, Becky, I've probably, probably 50 different pet owners during this whole pandemic thing. I have recommended that they buy a really inexpensive home security camera just to try to capture some of these behaviors when they walk out. We were working with uh, one lady, and so she was so worried as she was starting to go back to work part-time, had to be in the office, I think, two days a week or something. And she was like, you know, I'm really worried my dog is just not going to make the adjustment. And so we got a, a video camera, a really cheap one that she ordered off of Amazon, and it just, you know, just kind of fed to your phone through Wi-Fi, and you could record it. Um, and uh, the dog was cool, right? So, yeah. I mean, that allayed her concern. So that was like one area where this lady was sort of fearful for, you know, returning to work for her dog. And the reality is the dog is like, hey, I'm chilling. I'm good. So I think there's also that component of making f people feel more comfortable. I do like the fact that as we return to work, just being able to check on my dogs, you know, looking at my phone, <laughs> you know, and I'll never forget Steve Curtin, whom you know, and, and the Viewfinder family knows him from Circa Healthcare. He's been on the podcast a couple of times, but he was the guy who introduced this to me years ago. Man, he, he redid his house about six or seven years ago, Becky, and he put this sophisticated home security, and then he put these cameras in this 
lower room where the, the big dog, he has these giant German shepherds, you know, 150 yeah. pound dogs. And he put these cameras on there. I was like, Steve, man, that's a waste of money, you know, because back then it was super expensive and, yeah. and complicated. And he was like, no, it was the best thing ever. And so no matter where Steve was, he could check it on his phone. And if there was an issue, which, you know, really there wasn't, but he felt better when he was traveling. He travels a lot. So again, I think th- these are the opportunities. And the way you get in front of this right now is you make a, a newsletter, an email post, you know, posting. Uh, you go on social media, you talk about it and you say, hey guys, you know, right now, here's some steps you can take and send us your videos. And like Becky said, this is a way to get your your veterinary technicians, you know, a little extra, whatever, however you want to handle that. But I love the aspect of trying to take behavior into the home and we can now do it virtually. So um, I, the other thing too, I want to touch on are just the puppy classes, because I, I do feel that we are at risk this lost generation, this this pandemic puppy generation. And we really need to double down on our efforts to get those dogs started off right. It is not too late in many cases. And so I really want you to say, hey, look, you know, meet us Tuesdays for a virtual puppy class or whatever. Uh, Becky, anything else that you're kind of hearing around the sort of socialization aspect? Well, I think the socialization aspect is just so difficult right now. Yeah. And it's like, how can we be safe and how can we do this right now? Um, yeah, I've got I got to yeah. say, you know, I don't like the dog parks, but there is the ability to uh, socially distance as humans while letting the dogs kind of be together a little bit. If that's um, safe where you are and you feel like you can do that safely. Um, and then, you know, with, with the pups, I think you really have to be creative. And again, you have to kind of think about how could maybe you open up times at the clinic and is there a really, um, reliable, almost always somebody at the clinic has like a really reliable dog that like the pups can come and play with. Can you offer, um, you can drop your dogs off and we can do a puppy socialization like doggy daycare. Right you know, here where our staff already is and you don't have to be socially um, exposed, but we can allow for you to get your dog socialized and we'll handle it. And (laughs) this addresses an aspect of of what is up and coming that I have been talking about. And it's funny, like, you know, Steve Dale, Dr. Liz Bales, there's tons of talk online right now about the concern about the separation anxiety with all of our pets and this change that's coming. Mm -hmm. I keep saying, yes, I agree. It, it's a yes end, right? Yes. And what about our socialization? What about our um, separation anxiety? Like, I just feel like all of these folks who have stayed home with their pets all day, every day, and having their pets in their lives, like, I think there's going to actually be like a separation anxiety and depression in people. And I think we need to kind of start weaning ourselves off of our pets a little bit because I know I'm super dependent. No, it's same. And that's why I've been recommending getting these little inexpensive home security cameras, because at least that's one way to virtually peek in. And and it, like I was mentioning this other case, this lady actually felt so much relief because she, yeah. her dog wasn't chewing up her couch. Right. Which was yeah. actually what she thought was going to happen. So, again, and, and let's face it, if the dog was chewing up the couch, that would be great video to capture to understand what the triggers were, what the timing was, because if we're going to make interventions, all those things become paramount to success. Yeah, I mean, it's 100% why we have our Simply Safe. Um, right. I got the Simply Safe camera. I wanted the house to be safe, but I needed the camera so I could check in with my dogs all day um, and see my cats. And it just makes me feel better, you know, because, you know, just like you, like I travel and then I miss them and I want to see them. Or even when we're up here recording, I'm like, oh, hold on, we got to pause. My dog's got right. something or I can check in. So 
there, you know, and then there's ones that go the extra mile, things like the Furbo or whatever that, you know, shoot a treat out yep, that like you can it. talk to your pets through. You can get them up close <laughs> and personal so you can interact, which I yes. think is really going to help everybody. I like the voice. I don't like the treat. I'm the pet obesity guy. Well, now right. let's let's slightly shift it. Now there's another element to this why I think it's important for us to get in front of this now because let's face it, let's say you adopted, you fostered a new pup or kitten during this pandemic. Your interaction with a veterinary professional was very different and may continue to be very different for quite some time. And the traditional way that people interact with us was, you know, in person, there was a lot of nonverbal verbal exchange, you know, there was a reading the room, there was a lot of hands on helping and explaining of what's happening. Those people have lost it. And sadly, Becky, a lot of these are new first time pet parents. Okay. So We've got to make sure that they got the right messages. Do they understand about heartworm and flea and tick preventives? They understand about intestinal parasites. They understand about vaccinations, right? I mean, there's an entire suite of information that we normally would have exchanged, you know, me and my techs and my receptionists and our assistants, right? All those people were part of this team that made sure you got these certain bits of data transferred. That's gone. So, Becky, we've really got to double down on our efforts to over-communicate once again, especially with this legion of pandemic pet parents. Well, I guess I just really like that the pan... Well, I shouldn't say I like it, but I mean, I think the pandemic brought that to light. But I still think underlying for years and years, we haven't... Like, we don't have enough time for that conversation. We aren't making it clear. It's really funny because a friend of mine adopted two kittens. Um... And she, because it was COVID times, she didn't get to meet them before she fostered them, right? So, like, literally two kittens on your doorstep. And one of them was really, really sick. Um, And so her point was kind of like, I took this kitten to the vet and, like, all we were dealing with was a sick kitten. So she she really didn't get any of the baseline knowledge because everything was focused on the fact that the kitten was sick. So then when the antibiotics and all of the medicine was gone and the kitten was healthy, she was like, oh, my God, Becky, what do I do? Because now I have this healthy, crazy kitten on my hands and I have no idea what I'm doing. Does he need shots? Does he need more wormer? Right. We didn't talk about food. We didn't talk about uh, like we just talked about keeping this kitten alive. So then it was like back to the vet we had to go. So she she just made the comment of. It's very clear to me that they will never be able to tell me everything I need to know in one <laughs> visit. And so I guess my point with that is COVID brought to light this and it and it made an obstacle for us. But I'm not entirely sure at any point in time are we really That's getting fair. all of that information That's out fair. there. And is now the best time to think about ways to do that? Is it supplementary visits? Is it a, a, an LMS for your right. clients on your website? Like, yes, <laughs> is it outsourcing to these online sources? But honestly, I'm no. not sure we're educating like we need to. I agree. And Becky, it did just highlight the crack in that whole communication system. Having said that, though, again, as Becky said, this is an opportunity to improve. That's really the quote unquote silver lining of this horrible thing. And, And here's what I would suggest right now. Start experimenting. I keep saying this, Becky, for the past three and a half months, I've just said try stuff because like really the the public's patience with us is much greater now because everybody gets it. This is weird and wacky. Try stuff. And here's what you may want to consider, right? Have a series of like live streams, go onto Facebook and say, hey, if you adopted, if you're a pandemic pet parent or whatever you want to call it, I guess I'm trying to coin that. If you're a pandemic pet parent, join us for a special one hour, like what you need to know. You could have one for cats. You could have one for puppies, right? You could sort of do this live stream with people on your 
Facebook page for your business, which helps drive back, you know, getting back to content and so forth. But but try to get creative. You know, last week, Becky, we talked about the client communication lessons. And, and if you haven't listened to that one, Viewfinders, definitely go check it out. There's several gems in there I think are really valuable to today's conversation. But we really want to be experimental. We really want to try to be as directly interfacing as possible. And again, this we keep honing in on video, 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 but that is a richer experience, you know, and, and I would just say, Hey, uh, you know, try to do something different. Go to Facebook, say, did you adopt a cat? Join us for, we'll take your questions, whatever. I mean, I think there's really a lot of opportunities. Sure. Okay. And like, let's be fair. When we talk about things, sometimes, you know, we are kind of making blanket statements, right? We're talking about the majority. Mm -hmm. I understand there's population out there. It's like, listen, I live in Wherever. I don't want to generalize people, but like my clients don't do technology. My right. clients don't do that. My clients don't have this. I don't know. Fine. Then figure out what works for you. The point is just be creative. Yes. There are polls. You can, I don't care if you put a, a box in your lobby with little pieces of papers and slips that says, tell us. There are so many ways to find out how your clients, like start asking. Don't assume. Yes. If you don't think your clients are going to go for video, ask them. Like, I would love to help with this. How can we do this? And then be creative and find a way to do it. Like, it doesn't matter what that way is because there's going to be something that works better for your clients, better for, you know, your space. The point is just there are ways to find it. And if you just, if there hasn't been change, if you haven't shaken things up, if you don't feel like you're doing the best practices, the best medicine and advancing, then be creative and find ways how. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things too, uh, and I love what Becky said, uh, that's what prompted me to write a blog and make a video on don't forget the telephone, right? Because 30 to 40% of your clients are going to be in their 60s. And as Becky said, they may not be as comfortable with all this technology stuff. That's one of the reasons why I do like Facebook for stuff, you know, because a lot, you know, my mom's active on Facebook yeah. in her 70s. So, so regardless, you know, however you want to do it, but make sure you don't forget to stay in contact. I think that the old ways, and look, you know, Becky, how much I have railed against this, but just expecting to drop a postcard in the mail and magically people show up, which they do. And it is kind of magical. But, you know, I don't know that that continues to sustain into the future. So we're just really saying wherever you are, wh whoever your clientele is, find out where you can meet them and then get creative and try to meet them there as often as possible. You know, back in the days, Becky, way back before the Internet, I, I wrote an article saying, you know, you need to be in front of your clients once a quarter. And that was back when I was actually making these quarterly newsletters. And I'll tell you, you know, most vets didn't even send out a quarterly newsletter. I mean, it was a lot of work. You had to print it out. I mean, you had to do bulk mailing. You know, there, there was a lot of, of yeah. administrative duties and it took a lot of time. But it was such a rewarding, both financially and from a communication standpoint. I mean, that would just became a mainstay in my first clinic from almost day one. I mean, we started that within the first six months. So what we're saying is just get creative, know your clientele and meet them there where you can. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I guess that's the underlying message. And I just feel strong about that with like everyone is meet them where they are. So that's the that's the exact point. But it is something more than you can or are providing, I'm sure. And I guess it's just an opportunity, however it works best for your clients, wherever you are, or maybe you have a couple different ways you do it and they can opt in and out, but there, we've got to be in front of it. Like, again, it's just a matter of finding out what are the problems that could be coming from this and how can I get in front of them? Because 
these behavior problems, they're not opportunities to make money. <laughs> these behavior problems, these are opportunities to lose clients and patients because they get surrendered. To save lives. Th this is life and death. You, yes. you, everyone in the viewfinder family knows how quickly these behaviors can escalate and what is annoying one day is unacceptable the next. And if it's unacceptable, that is a quick trip back to the shelter or for euthanasia land. I mean, look, I hate to be so blunt about it, Becky, but that's yeah. the reality. It's it's exactly right. And and again, maybe preventatives, maybe people are are not using preventatives because they're not going outside, like whatever it is. I just right. feel like we have an opportunity and and we're oh, I mean, I feel like we're always preaching about this, about getting in front of it. Yeah. And, and the final thing I want to talk to you today, Becky, and the viewfinders is about getting in front of our own staff communication. I think that, again, we're still going through a period of stress and anxiety. There are a lot of uncertainties out there. We don't know exactly, will there be a second peak, a second wave? Will this thing persist yes. well into the end of the year, right? There's there's still a lot of, of concern within our staff. So, Becky, what are you hearing and what advice do you have to sort of make sure that we're staying on on top of and in front of communicating with each other? Well, like, again, I think it's the whole listening to understand, not to be understood. And so I, I just think it's when it comes to communication about our staff, it's it's like we really just need to be asking questions. Yes. How are you feeling? Do you feel safe? Is there something else we could be doing? What else are you seeing? What are other suggestions your colleagues that you're, you know, um, socializing with our doing and just mostly I feel like asking questions I think we get into trouble when we just start telling our staff what we're going to do how we're going to do it we forget to check in and see how they feel about it especially as things roll out um one thing that has been really I feel like consistent through this whole thing is just a really hard time knowing what is coming next and what to believe there's just such mixed messaging around everything and um, so I think we have to find a clear communication channel of fact within our clinic so we feel safe about what's happening. And I love what you just said, Becky. That is, you've got to ask. You've got to have these conversations. Uh, true story about a month and a half ago, probably, quote unquote, halfway through the shutdown, right? I was talking to a veterinary clinic. They were looking at some ways. Uh, they were having some issues uh, and they were looking for some help with uh, a couple of programs. And one of them had to do with telemedicine. And so I'm talking to the to the vet and I was like, well, hey, you know, just on a personal level, like, how's it going? And they told me, oh, it's fine. You know, the typical, yeah, no, no problem here. And she was, you know, and I think she was fine. Right. And so what about the staff? Like, you know, is your staff worried? You know, I mean, have you had to lay off anybody? Oh, no, they're they're all super cool. They're chill about it. You know, everybody gets it that we've got to change and adapt. And the curbside service, they're all really you know, uh, thrilled to be doing it, yada, yada, yada. So we kind of go through our thing. I say, check, check, check. Here's what we need to do. And I said, uh, I'll talk to your practice manager and we'll talk about, you know, like the setting up and mechanics and who I recommend and blah, blah, blah. Right. I talked to the practice manager. So how's it going there? Uh, well, how do you want me to answer that? <laughs> well, truthfully, preferably. Uh, and she says, not, not good at all. Completely different version of the story, Becky. Completely yep. different. She's like, the staff is worried sick. Like, I got to tell you, you know, we're having people that don't want to come to work. When they come to work, they're just scared. You know, they don't know what to do. Nobody knows exactly how to execute the curbside service. So it's like sometimes like people like we forgot a lady in the car the other day and she sat out there for like an hour. Right. Oh, my God. Right. But you can see how this happens. Right. I yeah. mean, this is just real life, real battlefields. I pictured like an overheated woman in the car. immediately. <laughs> well, Sorry. That was, I, I, I understand she was probably able to take care of herself. I right. panicked. But you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, this stuff is is happening. And so yeah. what where I think the disconnect was the owner wasn't asking the staff. And if they were asking the staff, it yeah. wasn't in an environment where they felt like they could be 
truthful with exactly. them. Exactly. So they were telling right. the PM, they were telling the PM, oh my gosh, this is awful. And so, you know, I always think back when I encounter situations like this, which is very often, to the story that we get in the exam room, right? It's like the the staff, the, the technician is told one story by the client and then the vet walks in and the client tells the exact opposite story, right? Well, I think honestly, so oh boy, this is a setup to get emotional right here, but um. Veterinary support staff on all levels literally live their lives to serve the animals that they are taking care of and their veterinarians. And I think that the majority, if not every single um, support staff member that I know, will do anything not to cause more stress to their veterinarian. Um, And they literally see themselves as the person that creates less stress in their veterinarian's life. And so that story, I believe it. I believe it across America because I don't think support staff will look at their veterinarians and say, I'm freaking out. But what they do do is they go into their office manager's office. They close the door and then they sob and then they talk and then they're open if you have an office manager in your practice that they feel comfortable with. So you have this individual in your practice right now who's carrying the burden of everyone and nobody wants the vet to know everyone's stressed out because they don't, because they live to serve and to help make their vet's life easier. And um, it is that that will cause the support staff to smile through everything um, while it feels like it's crumbling inside. And so I think that it is really important to have that communication and, and for veterinarians to know your support staff is scared to let you down. Yeah. And so you have to ask them and you have to make it safe and let them know there's nothing you could do that would let me down and that I need to know how you feel and how you're doing because I do need you and respect you. And I, I think there's a real opportunity here. Yeah, that is so true. And that is the opportunity. So right now, if you're a practice manager, if you're an owner, or if you are a technician or a person who works in a clinic where you don't feel like you can be truthful and open with your boss, whoever that may be, uh, this is the time to to try to make it right. And if you're an owner out there, again, now I'm speaking to you, owner to owner, you know, really take stock, have that, that conversation with your office manager, your practice manager, your leaders and say, how's it really going here? And if you're starting to hear things that maybe you don't want to hear that aren't ideal, then you need to say, how can I become a person that they trust? How can I become a person they feel to, they can openly communicate with? I mean, I, I think that this is a great time for leaders to really emerge, but more importantly, for leaders to, to to develop. And I think, you know, no matter what you've done in the past, it's a clean slate every day when you wake up and you go into the office. And so take full advantage of that opportunity each day and really reach out. I love what Becky said at the beginning of this. You have to start asking, but you have to be able to listen. And I think that too often, as Becky said, you're just talking to people and you need to make sure as a leader, whether you're an owner or manager, whomever, you need to make sure that when you ask a question, you shut up, right? Yeah. And that's what Laura used to tell me early in our career. She was like, ask a question and then don't answer it. Ask a question and don't say anything, right? Yeah. And even sometimes you get those awkward, uneasy pauses and silences. Go. You got to let it go because that yep. may be that one half millisecond that if you'd let it go a little bit longer, that's when it would crack and that person would say, okay. Let me tell you how it really is. (laughs) It's that and uh, another wonderful piece of advice I got from um, Dr. Laura Jarowski. Her heart, her last name is so hard to say. I serve with her on the human animal bond is what else? else? Always ask what else? Because if you don't ask the exact question that poses the thing that they're trying to tell you, it might be hard for somebody to speak up. 
So they may have something else to say. Um, and I have found that the question, what else, is an incredibly powerful one. So um, ask the questions you have to ask and then make sure you're asking what else. What else haven't I asked? What else do you need to say? What else are you feeling? Well, I love that, Viewfinders. Viewfinders, what else? We want to hear from you. What else can we talk about? What else would you like for us to share? What else would you like for us to try to cover here? What else is the toughest topic that you are currently tackling? Reach out to us on social media, definitely over on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, Instagram, Veterinary Viewfinder. And if you're still on Twitter, which I do tweet quite a bit, (laughs) you can find us at Vet Viewfinder. We really want to hear from you. What else? That's right. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you get a chance, go over to Apple iTunes, give us some stars, leave some feedback and let us know what else. Until next time, viewfinders. Bye. Bye. What else? What else? I love that. That's a good one. That was a good one. I like that. All right. Are we done? done. Anything else? Nothing else. (laughs) That hit (laughs) me.